Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Big Data versus Democracy. Zainab Tefetcha. YouTube, I think, is the greatest radicalizer of our time. We have no protections about the data that's collected, how that data is used, and we have a business model where we are the product and not the customer. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Richard, I'm going to ask you a philosophical question. Uh Uh-oh. How do you know what you know? Well, I like to think I read well-edited stuff, which means newspapers, The Economist is one of my favorite sources, and I use Google and I see things on Facebook and Twitter. Right. So the idea that the information we receive gives us more or less an accurate view of the world is pretty deep in our culture, and it's necessary to function as citizens, but it's under attack. A lot of the information that we're receiving, the bubbles we're being forced into, those are being manipulated. And manipulated in ways we don't fully understand, right? We're going to talk about the way the big digital platforms, Facebook and Google in particular, are monopolizing our conversations and perhaps threatening our privacy and even our freedom. Our guest is Zainab Tefetcha. She's a professor at the University of North Carolina, well-known for her TED Talks and columns in the New York Times. She's the author of Twitter and Tear Gas, The Power and Fragility of Networked Protest. Zainab teaches a class called Big Data, Algorithms, and Society, and that struck me as just a really good way to kind of sum up what this show is going to be about. Zainab Tefetcha joins us via Skype from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. In your TED Talk, you talk about the digital world we are building as a dystopia, something a little bit like 1984, perhaps a lot worse. Is it really that bad? So I don't think we're definitely building it. I think we're potentially building something. And I think it won't be like 1984. And that's what I fear. I wish we were building 1984. I think that's what a lot of people fear is some sort of totalitarian big brother with all our data. And that may well be one of the possibilities. But the one I fear is that we're building the infrastructure for some sort of soft authoritarianism through nudging us and controlling us and tempting us and seducing us and just manipulating us at deep enough level that is very one-sided, that they have all our data And they may even do this without being completely cognizant of what they're doing because we're turning this kind of decision-making to 
forms of artificial intelligence that we don't completely understand, a lot of machine learning based stuff. And at first, at the moment, this is already happening. At the moment, it's being used to sell us stuff. So when you say they, specifically, who are we talking about? Right. So at the moment, these technologies are being developed in two places. One of them is in Silicon Valley. It's being done to sell our attention and our eyeballs better to advertisers. So that's the them here. In China, it's already being built as forms of social control. But that's not my genuine fear. My genuine fear is that once you build that infrastructure of social control, and once it's based on surveillance, this kind of data about us and computational methods that can nudge us effectively, history tells us that powerful people do not leave that kind of infrastructure alone. They want in on the game. So the thing that worries you the most is the threat to our personal liberty as opposed to uh, companies knowing a lot about how we buy stuff. Is that correct? Um we know from experiments that Facebook can throw just a single message differently to some people with a difference that you can barely eyeball. And it turns out hundreds of thousands of more voters. I mean, I'm not talking, you know, some sort of conspiracy subliminal advertising here. I'm talking about papers published in Nature, the top scientific journal in the world, based on controlled, very well done experiments and results that have been replicated. Facebook can throw close elections and it wouldn't even be visible because it happens screen by screen and we already have the experiments at large scale replicated that show that it can do this. So what does Facebook say about this? Facebook says, I won't do it. You know, we won't do it. And I'm not comfortable with that. If you can do this, we need more than I won't do this. And two, well, maybe right now they won't do it. And I believe them. I have a lot of friends who work there. But that is real power, and that's, that's just too tempting to you know, leave on the table. We need a lot more political protection against what we know is the shaping power. What if you know, Google News decides to derank slightly negative stories about one candidate? How would you know about it? There are all these things that – these are new kinds of gatekeepers, and this isn't like easy decisions because Google's going to rank something one way or the other, and that's major gatekeeping. Facebook's going to show you one article the other, and that's major gatekeeping. And it's not just what they do intentionally. Their platforms are so. also open to be gamed by other people. I mean, Facebook sells advertising, Twitter. You know, you can overwhelm Twitter with a bunch of Twitter bots, as we certainly saw in the last election, and give the impression that a certain viewpoint is a lot more widespread and acceptable than perhaps it really is. I mean, they, there's ways in which that they can manipulate things. And there are ways in which they obviously don't have safeguards against other people manipulating their platforms because they seem either too naive, not understanding enough. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to figure out why they're so late to this because obviously this is what people are going to do with your platform if it allows this. Um, so there are two things going on. One, they have manipulation power. And two, they're not taking safeguards against other people manipulating their platform. E if they do either, right, we have no way of knowing whether they're doing either. You say a platform such as Facebook isn't just built for communications, which is, I think, what most people think of it as. It's, it's something you call persuasion architecture. What is that? Yes. So this is an example from my talk, but I think it's an example that 
uh, most people understand is that if you're checking out at the supermarket, you saw that candy at the eye level. It's the right, eye level right. for especially, kids, especially right? the stuff that, that they yeah, put at eye kids, level for right? kids. Yeah, right. and the kids are like, mom, 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 and then you buy that Snickers bar, right? So it, the fact that it's visible, the fact that it's annoying, and the fact that it's limited changes what it can do. I mean, every retail shop does it, right? It puts sort of what you put in the window dressing. You're trying to tempt people. This is as old as marketing, but with digital technology, this thing moves from alchemy, which is what, you know, that candy at the eye level or the window, the dress you put at the window is, to chemistry at scale that is hidden because they can come and find your personal vulnerability and slightly nudge you that way. It's already happening, right? Facebook operates by showing people things that will, quote-unquote, engage them. And human nature has vulnerabilities. We are very attuned to anger and outrage. Uh, We are susceptible to cute, cuddly things and babies and puppies, which makes sense because otherwise we wouldn't have them. So Facebook feeds you that all the time. You know, there's a reason that a lot of people's Facebook feed is like stuff that you're supposed to be outraged about and a lot of babies followed by stuff that you're supposed to be outraged about, followed by a panda rolling around or a baby hippo, <laughs> right? These, I mean, this is not a coincidence. Right. They're giving us sugar, salt, and fat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But they're um, doing something They're doing something more, you say, and that is they can tell what kind of mood we're in. Then not only that, Facebook, we know, uh, can tell quite easily if you are about to enter, say, a depression or a manic mood, because in manic phase, and people often accompanied by compulsive spending, compulsive mm-hmm. gambling. Um, right. So look, now's like the time that. to show so them. They, now, let's to show Las them. Vegas. Right. Let's send them off to Las Vegas, where they'll There's lose more money than they would. Ways in which we think we are completely in control of ourselves, and we are. We have free will, but we are human. We have temptations. We have moods. We have vulnerabilities. You know, recently I read in a trade article in an ad magazine that says, you know, when women are prone to beauty intervention, quote unquote, when they feel, let me see, fat or lonely or ugly, um, they want to buy makeup. I mean, this sounds horrible, but that's what advertisers are thinking. But, but how, can, how, can, how, how can they tell? How can it's they tell so that, that, you're, that you're depressed or you're in a manic phase? That is the thing. Machine learning is a new set of technologies that crunches through data and statistically categorizes like this. It just turns out these predictions. They're 80, 90% accurate. Like Google Translate, that's machine learning, like all those sort of things. It doesn't, nobody's teaching it rules of grammar. It's just churning through human language and it's like, all right, this is how you do it. The past five years have been mind-blowing. We are growing a form of machine intelligence. And unlike the past ones, which we programmed, this one is learning itself and we don't understand how exactly it's doing what it's doing, but companies are deploying it as fast as they can because it works and every month there's a paper that blows my mind that would have been a top paper five years ago and people are like oh here's another one and why are you interested in this i'm from the middle east okay i'm very sensitive to the authoritarian use of technology and anything else i'm very sensitive to the 
things that can go wrong, partly my personality and partly I'm also from the technology world. So I'm very sensitive to what's being developed. And I put that together, like what's coming down the pike very fast with what I know people in power tend to do historically. And like, this is a scary combination. And the part that's worrisome is like, we're doing it to build the ad infrastructure, but we're building that. We're building that infrastructure. It is not going to remain in that box. But it also has potential in the political world, you know, and we've, we've seen this. One of the things you talked about in your TED Talk is the way that these platforms identify your political leanings, then try to nudge you farther down that path. Tell us a story about what happened when you were tracking the, the rise of Trump during the campaign. Yes. And you started watching Trump videos. Yes. Yes. Facebook gets a lot of heat and it deserves every last bit. But YouTube, I think, is the greatest radicalizer of our time. So I started tracking Trump very early, and I was one of the people who started saying, look at you know the combination of our changing media ecology, Facebook, Twitter, and who he is and the country's political polarization. I was like, this could work, people. Don't laugh at this. So I watched some Trump rallies on YouTube. So when I watched Trump rallies, I got suggested first mild and then more and more extreme white supremacist stuff. It was going down white, the white, white, white supremacist hate, hate groups, hate groups. Right. So now you're going to say, oh, that's just the right wing. And, you know, she's just a liberal to that. I will say two things. I start warning about this stuff under Obama. So I'm a nonpartisan concerned person here. Uh, the second thing is this works on the left, too. Like this works for completely nonpartisan stuff in that if you watch a video about being vegetarian, YouTube's like, uh, how about veganism? You're never hardcore enough for YouTube because the algorithm, which YouTube is not doing this on purpose. It's the machine learning algorithm. It's figured out that inviting people, seducing them to slightly more edgy stuff. And you watch that one step. And then it's like, here, come down more. You watch that one more step. And then hours later, you've gone down, down that rabbit hole. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm so enlightened. I didn't know. Like, you feel like your eyes have opened. It's edgy, edgy, edgier, edgier. And while YouTube is serving you ad after ad, right? The algorithm is figured out. That's how you keep people on the site. And, and ISIS is an example. It is whatever you start, YouTube is going to try to seduce you to the edge of that. It's not going to pull you to the center where you'll be like, oh, okay, here's a reasonable thing. And or something like, it'll be like, how about here? How about here? A little more, a little more. It will pull you down wherever it can. And as it's pulling you down, I think what's really insidious about it, it's helping convince you that this is not a weirdo fringe view, that a lot of people feel this way. See, the thing is, uh, social media is powerful because you can find people like you and you can feel like, wow, I am not alone. The thing is, this works for Egyptian dissidents, right? Egyptian dissidents find each other and they're like, we're not alone and they challenge their autocracy. But so do white supremacists. They find one another and they form a community and they're like, wow, this is amazing. They, know, I, they don't feel alone. So this so not you... feeling alone thing is very powerful. It's very attractive. It's very human. Every group does it. But if you keep doing this to people, everybody finds their little subgroup puts up a fortress around that subgroup and then starts fighting with the other thing. So you have both more community and more polarization at the same time. So can you imagine, take the white supremacist march right. in Charlottesville a few months ago. 
Right. Would that have happened without Facebook? Um, I don't know if it's just Facebook uh, or Twitter, but in a world where you do not have this kind of connectivity, horizontal connectivity, it is much harder. There's a way that these platforms influence our political leanings. Maybe maybe they promote a certain kind of extremism and polarization, but they could also be deliberately used for certain purposes. We've seen allegations of outside players doing that in Russia, but also... As you said, right now, we don't think Google and Facebook are using their power, but a thought experiment. It's the 2016 campaign. Right, right. Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren is running for president on the platform. Break up, you know, break up the tech giants. She would have no guarantee that Facebook wouldn't throw the election against her in such a way. And how would they do it? Uh, They would, they, it's very easy for them to identify potential Warren supporters. And it's very easy, we already know from experiments, that they can help mobilize people or demobilize them. Like, if you get a go vote message that shows you that your friends that voted, like Mm -hmm. they did that once in 2012, and they turned out uh, 340,000 more people in the U.S. with a single message. So they urged people to go and vote. They didn't even urge. They just pointed out that their friends had voted tiny thumbnails and some people didn't get that message some people did i'm sorry this happened in 2010 and then they replicated this in 2012 they showed a civic voting message to some people and turned out 280,000 more people that way with a single message in these experiments they were responsible they randomized between you know they didn't they randomized so they didn't target supporters of one person or the other or they tell us so they say they could (laughs) yeah right but you can, over time, definitely have enough influence at the margins that you will throw the state, that state, the state, that state. And given the last election was decided by 100,000 votes, that is one-third the number of people Facebook turned out with a single message. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And, and we're speaking with uh, Zeynep Tefetcha about uh, this whole question of social media and, and what it's doing to us. Let's switch to solutions. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Facebook itself is just 13, right? It is not old. This is very, very recent, right? This is just new. And so is Twitter. So is the whole thing. And the key problem here is that we have no protections about the data that's collected. We have no protections about 
how that data is used. And we have a business model where we are the product and not the customer. And all three of those things are combining to build that infrastructure. We can change all three. Like these are very changeable things. Like car makers, they drag their foot for years on installing seatbelts and emission controls. And in the end, it was better for them too. They have a better business. So how do we regulate um, Facebook? How do we regulate uh, YouTube? It's a combination of things. We can regulate their data use. We can regulate their data surveillance. We can regulate what they do, transparency disclosure. They can get together and create industry uh, associations. ISA standards are not government regulations, but a lot of industries have ISA standards. They can do that together. We can think about how do we foster competition in the space. That's important. They can change their business model. Facebook, what, makes, what, $15 per person per year? It's a ridiculous number to sell us out for and people around the world they pay for sim cards they pay for minutes they pay for things that are crucial and facebook provides us with many crucial things if we have more education on how insidious it is to be the product in this uncontrolled way to be manipulated like this i think a lot of people will be like okay my freedom versus 15 dollars a year those are all doable things also you know and we're all users of these technologies. Actually, we were talking before the show. I have not been on, I'm not on Facebook for this exact reason. I've never trusted the platform. Well, the although- thing is, though, I could personally get off Facebook, but I, I'm an immigrant. I have family and friends all over the world, and Facebook's a great product. Right. I keep in touch right. with them. Uh, and I, I, I miss out on space. a lot. I work, I work with refugees. The group is organized on Facebook. You're a college student. Everybody works like their groups are on Facebook, right? There's all these things for which I don't think it can be boycotted effectively. If it were, I'd be like, let's boycott it till it improves. And there's no market competition. Like, you know, you're on a Facebook product, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram. You're somewhere in their ecology. And this in the U.S. is for very privileged people. There are a lot of places in the world. There is no Internet. It's just Facebook. That's why what they do is so important and we're not going to change it through boycotts given something we didn't discuss is all the reasons that they're so monopolistic but what about how you use the platform i mean even something as simple as how you configure your settings like what are your settings yeah i have i have configured settings every which way um i don't think and i'm a very advanced user of these things i've been programming since i was a little one and i think about this every day and i'm like i don't think i can escape what they do. I mean, I, I have my privacy settings up and I have this up and blah, blah, blah. It just really doesn't matter because you're not, not in no, control. You're not their customer. They don't give you the full range of choices you need for this to be a healthy relationship. They're selling you. Can we force Facebook and Twitter to be more transparent? Transparency won't pose their problem, though. I okay, will. So, I mean, so, I, so, what, so what will? What will? What will change it? Um, as I said, it's a common, like transparent, they can tell you, they don't even know what they're doing. You know, they, they, because it's machine learning algorithms doing that. So it's not like they understand what their algorithms are doing, to be honest. Yes. Right. So, so what, can, what can be done then? It's a combination of regulation, awareness, uh, them taking action. I think there's a lot of things they can do that, uh, they should do. And, you know, there's a whole range of things that will come from 
you know, our sovereignty being exercised over what happens. Like it's our data, it's our it's our eyeballs. We need sovereignty over it in many ways. It's going to be the companies acting up. The employees in these companies have a lot of power. They can speak up and they can refuse to do certain things because they are a precious commodity in this world. There needs to be pressure from all sorts of directions because whatever we set in motion now is probably all we're going to get. You know, this stuff will ossify. Right now, these companies are young. The founders are young. There are a lot of people in these companies who want to do the right thing. And they're kind of horrified, like, how did we get here? And I have sympathy, right? How did we get here? It's very fast. But they can move. The governments can move. People can move in ways that make it healthier for everyone. When you talk about having sovereignty over our data, what would Mm -hmm. that look like? I mean, would there be a a law that says that your personal data has to sunset Maybe every they, six months or, or and, and be wiped off their servers? Laws, or? There could be sunset laws. There could be collection limits. There could be a proper opt-in and opt-out uh, regulations. There could be protections against merging. Right now, Facebook collects all this data on you. I mean, literally, if you start typing something and delete it, it analyzes that, right? It has this enormous amount of data on you. Plus, it's allowed to buy all sorts of other data about you. I mean, why on earth is it allowed to combine all this data? Is there anything that America can learn from the European Union? Europeans are being uh, Europeans are being more proactive. This is good, um, but I think we can learn from our past. Right? We put seatbelts in cars. We have antitrust laws. We have a lot of things that are very American. Competition is very American, you know, and we don't have effective competition in this space at the moment. Does it make any sense to break up Facebook? In some ways, yes. I mean, I just want to say, like, if you have five little Facebooks and you don't change anything about data collection and stuff, you'll just have five worse Facebooks, right? So right now there are a lot of things that they're doing right, that they're working hard and they're trying. Right. I think they're constrained by their business model, but I think there are a lot of things that Facebook is doing better than five little competing unregulated Facebooks would do. Right. So, I mean, if we just break it up, there'll just be a race to the bottom. Well, on that kind of depressing <laughs> that, note. <laughs> but we don't have to go down this route, right? That's the thing. We don't have to go down this route. That's what I keep saying, that these are all very changeable things. Zainab Tefetcher. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. What did I learn as a result of this conversation, which I found really eye-opening and, and, and more than a little bit scary with Zainab Terfecha, is that machines know a lot more about us than I'd realized. And there's a famous example from uh, Charles Duhigg, who was a guest on this show, and he wrote about how Target was able to predict that a woman was pregnant using data and algorithms. And they knew this before the woman herself knew she was pregnant. These algorithms are really so powerful because they're combining these experiences of hundreds of thousands, millions of people. So they can begin to make generalizations. As she says, they're not always correct, but they don't need to always be correct. And it's in their business interest to to use these tools, not necessarily because they care about you personally, but because 
if it keeps you on the platform another few minutes, if you watch a few more YouTube videos. You see more commercials. They just want to serve you ads. So there's something so kind of self-perpetuating about this. It's not like there's some person behind the curtain pulling the levers. These systems are pushing certain viewpoints, certain associations, certain political ideas automatically they're not they're not being directed by anybody and yet Zainab Terfetcha was not saying that Facebook is evil she was not saying that YouTube is evil it's not like this is a big capitalist conspiracy I think what she was saying was this is a runaway train and Facebook executives and people who started Twitter they're on this train as well as the rest of us isn't that interesting so let's break down the threats here just real quickly um, because they're they 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 overlap, but they're different. The first is just the loss of privacy. You know, the amazing loss of privacy. If, for example, someone was running for office and somebody at Google wanted to destroy their life, you know, they know every time you've gone to the drugstore. You know, in the last ten years, um, they know every time you've written an email that you didn't send, <laughs> yeah. made a correction. Right. And that stuff so, is still out there. I don't think they're making illicit use of that stuff, but they sure could if so, they wanted to. So, so that's one, one. So one solution to that could be sunsetting data, right? Right. That's a really interesting idea. The other thing is deliberate hacking of the system in order to. Um, to promote one political ideology over another. And we talked about how, again, we don't really think they're doing it, but it would be so easy for them, so tempting. But the biggest thing, and the the thing I think is genuinely new in her analysis, is the way these algorithms uh, sort of perpetuate this polarization. I, I have this visual image of like a bunch of little beans on a pie plate. Right, and that would reflect people's ideologies and viewpoints, and and they people kind of like to be close to the other beings that are kind of like them, but they're scattered more or less randomly. Then you put that pie plate on a turntable, and all the and you start spinning it pretty fast. All the beans spread to the edges, right? And that's kind of what she's saying that YouTube is doing, what Facebook is doing. It's pushing you towards more and more extreme viewpoints. And associating you with other people who have those viewpoints. And what I find dangerous is you're normalizing the idea. Something that might have seemed like weird and embarrassing. Like, oh, what's this like weird neo not Like, I might be uh, kind of a conservative jerk, but I'm not a... I don't like Nazis. And all of a sudden, like, hey... There's a lot of people here who think Nazis and, weren't and, so and, bad. And it's created these communities on the edge and given them a rallying point, which and, is And then, they, then they, they reify in the real world. They show up with tiki torches to march. I, I really don't think that would have happened prior to these platforms. So something we've said many times before, it's incumbent on all of us to broaden our sources of information. Get yeah. off just one simple social media page and, and seek out things that perhaps don't make us comfortable and one example of a site i don't think gets enough publicity and and gets too much criticism because it's better than many people realize is wikipedia yeah right wikipedia is it's so funny because it's been used as like the sort of the whipping boy for years like well you really can't trust things on the internet anybody can put stuff on wikipedia i working as a journalist i use wikipedia every day it's not the final source on anything but it's a great place to start on Almost any topic, some things that are highly politicized, you know, you need to be a little bit more cautious. But even there, the days of really wacky stuff being on Wikipedia are are mostly gone. And it's self-policing. They have have some really good standards. It's not a free-for-all. 
but it is largely self-policing. And they've created this great culture of, of real focus on facts, having to verify things. It's a real tribute to the human ability to use rationalism. Wikipedia may be a good place to start. This is a good place to stop. I'm Richard Davies. I'm Jim Meg. And it's How Do We Fix It? Our producer is Miranda Schaefer, and our music is by Lou Stravinsky. We have social media help from Michelle Curry, and our program is a production of Davies Content. Check us out on our new revamped website, DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.